Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the thoughts of our hearts be acceptable to you through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Amen. Back in the, uh, the fall of 62, it was October of 62, and I was uh, visiting Washington, D.C. as a tourist with my aunt and my uncle, and we were staying at the Mayflower Hotel, which was kind of a landmark. It still is a landmark in Washington, D.C. Many famous people have stayed there. It's a fancy, fancy place. And uh, I remember one evening at the Mayflower, I was getting ready for bed, but I was, I was thirsty, and I thought, you know, I want a bottle of pop. And, and uh, back then, soda pop was not much sold in cans. It was in glass returnable bottles, right? And you would go to a pop machine and, and it, you'd get a bottle for 15 cents or so. And so I grabbed uh, a nickel and a dime and I went down the hallway in my pajamas and got into the elevator, went down to the lobby hoping to find a, a pop machine and the door opened and before me were men and women in formal attire. Um, the women were in these long evening gowns and men were in tuxedos and several of them turned to look at me in the elevator in my PJs. And I, I had the thought at that moment that I really don't need a bottle of pop. <laughs> You know, I'll just go back up to my room, and, uh, and I did. Now, here, here's my question to you. Have you ever felt you were somewhere where you just did not belong? You ever had that feeling before? <laughs> I can uh, imagine how Peter in our gospel lesson for this morning must have felt. He felt like he was someplace he didn't belong, in his own boat, with the Lord Jesus Christ. He felt out of place in the presence of our Savior. I direct your attention to the Gospel reading on page 10 in your worship bulletin, beginning at verse 1. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear the Word of God, and that's important because you notice Notice in verse uh, 5, at the end of verse 5, Peter says, but at your word I will let down the next. So there's this emphasis on the, the, the authority of God and, and of Christ's word, the, the power of it, and that's true at the end of the reading as well. Uh, when he, Jesus says, don't be afraid, from now on you'll be catching men, and all of these disciples, well, these fishermen become disciples, they follow him. It's, the power of the word is, is accentuated here in the text. In verse 1, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets, meaning they're done fishing for the day. They've been out all night, unsuccessful. Now they're done fishing. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and, and by the way, that's no accident, He's about to, Jesus is going to commission Simon today. He asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down, that's the position, a posture of teaching, 
in the ancient world. He sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master. Now, now notice, notice what he calls him. He calls him Master. All right? Not yet calling him Lord. He will shortly. But now it's Master. We toiled all night and took nothing. And you have to wonder, what's going through Peter's mind? I mean, who's the fisherman here anyway? Jesus spends all of his time on land. Peter ought to know. But here's where the faith comes through. But at your word, I will let down the nets. Verse 6, notice where verse 6 lies. This is the miracle now being recorded And it's right in the center of the lesson. We've mentioned this before that not always, but very often, kind of the main point is in the very middle of the text, the exact middle. I would argue, however, that this miracle in verse 6 is not really the main point. Rather, it illustrates the main point. And we'll say that, get to that later. It illustrates the main point. Verse 6, And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. And and this is what you see with the Lord and and the Christ. You, You see an abundance. There's an abundance of wine. There's an abundance of bread where he is. There's an abundance of forgiveness and so on. Jesus's, the Lord's presence is characterized by overflowing abundance. Verse 8, but when Simon Peter, notice we get his full name now, saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me for I am a sinful man. And notice the contrast. Now he's Lord, oh Lord, I'm a sinful man, oh Lord. Now that's not the typical fisherman's response. I think a typical fisherman's response would be something like this, well, why didn't I know where the fish were? But this isn't about the fish. And it's not about Peter's skill or lack thereof as a fisherman, it's about Peter's life. It's about his life. And so Roman number one, on page 11 in the sermon outline, A, Peter is the first person in Luke's gospel to recognize Jesus as Lord, as Lord. And this is one of the Old Testament titles for God himself is the Lord. Point number one, I'm a sinful man, implies that Jesus is in the holy presence of God, or that Jesus is the holy presence of God. Jesus is the holy presence of God, and Peter senses that. That's why he feels so inadequate. I think he would know point two, the presence of God's holiness is deadly to sinners. We see that in our first reading. Woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips. 
and I dwell among a, a people of unclean lips. In my eyes, Isaiah says, have seen the Lord of hosts. Isaiah knows, knows that he's in trouble unless the Lord rescues him. I think Peter senses that as well. The presence of God, his holiness, his otherness, reminds us of our unworthiness. John the Baptist, what, what did John the Baptist say of Christ? He said, I'm not worthy to untie his sandals. I'm not worthy to serve him in that menial way. And he's right. In letter B, sinners in Luke's gospel are social outcasts. They're people on the fringe, on the margin of acceptability. And Peter seems to put himself in that group. It's like in Luke 19 where Jesus encounters Zacchaeus. And what do the people say? When Jesus invites himself to the house of Zacchaeus, what do the people say? He's gone to be the guest of a sinner, right? An outcast. Fringe people. So letter C, and it's a, it's a truism, we are more sinful than we think, and we're more loved than we can imagine. We're more loved than we can imagine. The greater the sin, the greater the mercy. So, Roman numeral two, our worth is God-given. It's not inherent in us. It's given by God. Letter A, Peter is forgiven. Verse 10, Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. There's, there's the absolution. You got nothing to worry about. You're okay by grace. And then there's a call. From now on, you'll be catching men. Literally, you'll be catching men alive. That's more to come here shortly. Letter B, Jesus, here's the point, does not depart from Peter. He does not depart from sinners. Oh, sinners depart from him. You know, we all do that. But Jesus does not depart from us. Rather, he seeks, he saves, he calls us to follow him. Point number one, where sin abounded, grace abounded all the more. That's a quote from Paul. Point number two, God's mercy is more comprehensive than our sin. That's a, a quote from the Apology of the Augsburg Confession. God's mercy is more comprehensive. It's more global than our sin. His mercy is more far-reaching. It's more infinite than our sin. And point number three, your sin does not disqualify you from Jesus. Your sin does not disqualify you from Jesus. Therefore, we say with Paul, our adequacy is from God. We can stand before the Lord with all confidence, 
knowing that he has made us adequate to stand and to remain in his presence. That is grace, and it's through Christ and Christ alone that that grace is ours and that grace belongs to the world. Our adequacy is from God. Roman numeral three, from now on you'll be catching men alive, and that's literally from the Greek. Uh, the word, I put it in English there, zogreo, uh, it's from, it's, it's a compound word. Zoe in Greek uh, means uh, alive or life. And agreo means to catch. And so uh, zogreo in the Greek means to catch alive. And, and virtually no translation brings that out. And I, I think it's important for the following reason. Letter A. Fish are born into an environment in which they flourish. They, fish breathe only in water. There's actually oxygen in the water. Their gills are able to filter the oxygen in the water, but they can't breathe on land. Fishing transfers them into an environment in which they perish. But Jesus flips the metaphor. He flips the comparison here. Letter B, we are born into an environment in which we perish. You know, we can live in water for a very short time. You know, three score and ten, maybe, more or less. But we're born into an environment in which all die ever since Genesis 3. That's the reality. But the gospel, the net of the gospel, the net of the word and sacraments transfers us into an environment, the kingdom of God, in which we flourish eternally. And let her see the miracle of bringing fish into the boat is the miracle of making sinners worthy to stay and to stay in the presence of the holy God. The miracle of the fish illustrates bringing sinners like Peter into the presence of the Lord and remaining in the presence of the Lord. They're one and the same miracle. I would say the latter is a greater miracle than the former. You know, making sinners worthy to stand in the presence of God is a greater miracle uh, than a great catch of fish, but the great catch of fish illustrates the greater miracle of Christ. Reverend Matthew Harrison, the president of our Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, in his first presidential address to the Synod back in 2010, said this, and I quote, you, meaning the convention, the people of Missouri Synod, you have a perfect record of electing sinners to the office of president of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. He went on to say, I guarantee that I will sin and I will fail. I will fall short. I will sin against you. I want to say now that I forgive anyone who sinned against me, and I plead your forgiveness for anything I've said or done against you. Now those words could be spoken by any man elected to the office of pastor in any of our congregations, including this one. And so, Picking up on that, these are my words to you. You have a perfect record of electing sinners to the office of pastor of this congregation. 
I guarantee that I will sin and I will fail. Indeed, I have. I guarantee that I will fall short and indeed, I have. I guarantee that I will sin against you and indeed, I have. I forgive anyone who sinned against me and I plead your forgiveness for anything I have said or done against you. Now this is who we are as Lutheran Christians. St. Paul writes that we're not adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God, who has made us adequate as ministers of a new covenant, a covenant of grace that is overflowing with forgiveness to every sinner. Ever since Genesis 3, we've been living in a deadly environment. We're born into this environment in which we all perish unless the Lord returns first. And yet, such is our resistance to God that none of us leave this environment on our own. None of us seek the safety of Jesus on our own. God must catch us in his net of grace and he must pull us into his boat, the church. This is as Jesus said, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. He draws us in baptism. He draws us through the preaching of the gospel. He draws us through the administration of the Lord's Supper. Luther wrote, I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him, but the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the one true faith. It's all his doing. We're here because we've been drawn drawn by his spirit working through the word. We've been caught up in the gracious net of God's forgiving love. Verse 10, once again, Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching men alive. And when they brought their boats to land, they left everything. That includes James and John. They heard this. The word drew them as well. They left everything and followed him. And so I ask you, who's the real fisherman in our text? Yeah, you got that right, Graham. And who are the real fish? Us. Bright boy. Yeah, Peter, James, John, you and me. We have been saved in his net, and we've been drawn into his boat. In Jesus' name, amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.